Hey friends, welcome to another episode of This is Harbor Network. I'm Casey Smith, and today I'm excited to share with you a conversation that Ronnie Martin had with our good friends, Matt and Lauren Gray, church planners of Antioch First Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Together, they talk about their journey to church planting, lessons they have learned through disappointment and waiting, the role emotional support plays in partnering together in ministry, what they enjoy most about being part of Harbor Network, and some encouragement for the open waters of ministry. It's a great conversation, so stay with us. All right, Matt and Lauren Gray, I'll tell you what, I love that we get to record this so close to Christmas because it allows us to talk a little bit about Christmas. And since, you know, I consider myself to be the greatest lover of Christmas that there has ever been, it was really fun offline to talk to you a little bit about your love for Christmas, which is high. And what I loved hearing from both of you was that when you are thinking about purchasing a new house and all the questions that come to mind that really need to come to mind when it comes to buying a new house, the most important question is, can we locate the place that the Christmas tree needs to be? Because if we don't got that, we got nothing. Am I right? That's right. I mean, we were talking earlier when we walked into our house, it was disgusting. We got it a couple of days before it went to foreclosure. And we walked in and I did. I said to my wife, Lauren, that's where the tree's going to go. And it's going to be massive. And we've lived up to it every year. <laughs> I like your attention to detail. I like the way that you prioritize things. But we're not really talking about Christmas trees uh, for this particular episode of This is Harbor Network. We're actually going to be talking about you guys. We're going to be talking about church planting. We're going to be talking about Antioch First Baptist Church. And I want to start by talking about the fact that there just doesn't seem to be one path that God has created into church planting for everybody that he calls to church plant. Tell us about your church by telling us if this is the church you planned on planting. I think I learned uh, early on in our marriage, planning is just for fun and never really uh, ends <laughs> up the way we think. I mean, you just, you spend time and then you get to reality. And you're like, well, that's completely opposite. But yeah, we had no idea that this would be where God has us in this time, in this moment, based on the path even that he took us down for church planting. You know, we started our core group in our home, January, 2020. And I tell people, like, I promise I was praying about that. I promise <laughs> I was asking the Lord, like, this is the time, right? And, you know, as everyone had to do in March and things just blew up and shifted, honestly, I thought it was done. I thought there's no way a baby church plant that is just barely getting a core group started would ever make it through that. And I'm thankful that um, it wasn't up to me to get it through that because I would have just shut it down. And so we just endured, kept going. We switched to Zoom just like everyone else. And we had, I was preaching at a church that was our sort of supporting church in Nashville. And there was a lady there that visited whose parents go to Antioch First Baptist and had been for years. All this started happening behind the scenes. I didn't even know it. So this lady calls her mom and says, hey, there's a church plant right down the road from you guys. I think y'all should call this guy and just see what's going on. And so phone calls are happening back and forth behind us. And then I get a call from the pastor of the church we were uh, being supported by. And he said, hey, 
this is going to be completely opposite of what you probably had planned, but I think you need to make a phone call to this church. And that started it. And in six months, we had gone back and forth about, is this possible? And, and I would leave a meeting and think, well, that was it. They're not going to call us back after a wait. But the Lord just kept knitting us together. And in May of this year, I stepped in as the lead pastor of First Baptist Antioch. We merged our core group with the church, and we've been walking that road you know, for most part of the year now. Taking a step back, and as Matt mentioned, this is not what they planned. They didn't expect to leave and sever ties with their sending church nor did they expect to merge with a 210-year-old church. They were also not anticipating the pain of severed relationships, the emotional support they would need from one another, and ultimately being told to wait from the network they desired to partner with. So we helped plant a church in Nashville 10 years ago now and started having conversations there about planting. And we knew that we were going to want to be with a different network. And so that caused lots of pain, lots of difficult conversations. And it was a time where we felt like we know that this is what God is calling us to do. But for probably a variety of reasons, we're getting resistance where we are, where we have served for a long time. And that was very, very difficult. So we got to the point where we needed to go and find a different sending church. Harbor was so wise. They just said, you know, because we were kind of mad and ready to plant, you know? (laughs) And so they were like, I don't know if you are. Why don't you wait a year and try to assess in a year and see how it goes? And Matt was not on board with that, but we did it. But... Of course, it was the exact right thing to do because when you leave a place that has so much history for you, so many deep friendships, you just don't have your footing for a long time. I mean, it probably took nine months to a year to kind of see through the fog. And I think a lot of the things that Matt was needing to grow in happened in that time of disappointment um, and having to deal with the no, because he's very capable and most of the time in his life hears yes. And so I think he needed to kind of live in a place of no for a while and really seek the Lord to be able to come into planting with a more open-handedness. Well, I mean, the open-handedness that he was going to have to have to plant in 2020. (laughs) So... Yeah, that's good. I will say, again, hearing the no. We went through, we filled out all the paperwork, we're going through the process, and we get that email back that says, hey, we, we let's set up a call. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And, and it was. It was extremely disappointing. But I just, if, if I can be an encouragement to guys in that position in their planting, and if you do go through a process and you do go through an assessment and you do hear, hey, let's wait on this, that's not failure. It's not failure. It feels like it in the moment because you just want to hear yes after yes after yes. But it is listening to wisdom from guys who have been down the road farther than you have. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with waiting. 
it doesn't feel like it's good in the moment, but I can see exactly what the Lord was doing and preparing in my heart for us to walk through planting during a pandemic by hearing, hey, let's not go through assessment just yet when we first got introduced to the network. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I, you know, it reminds me that wisdom is seeing the wisdom that other people are offering you and then responding in a wise and in a generous way. And it seems like that's been the pattern of you guys through this experience. Lauren, you've been married to this dude for 17 years. You guys have three kids. You're embarking on this, I would say, one of the most just disorienting things that God calls people to do, which is plant a church, because it never goes according to plan. It always takes a left turn and then a right turn and then another left turn. What was your experience like as you guys were coming into this thing right as the pandemic, you know, almost like you're launching a church right as this thing called the pandemic is launching? Right. Yeah, I think throughout our marriage, I have had a pretty easy time trusting God with the outcome of things. And normally where my concern starts to rise is, how is Matt doing? How is he processing things? Is he giving up? And I think that was kind of my story as he's walking through all of these things, is trying to gauge is he just going to give up? You know, we've worked hard to get to where we are, and God has taken us on lots of windy paths up until January 2020. And I think helping him fight discouragement is one of my primary roles in our marriage. I mean, I think part of it is because of the nature of my life right now. I'm a full-time teacher. I'm in seminary myself. Okay. And I think that had this been five or six years ago, I would have been nose to the grindstone right there with him, wanting to do every single little thing, be in every single little decision. And because I physically can't do that, I think God has put me in this more emotional role. And I think it's probably healthier for all of us. And I think in previous years, it's kind of been like, all right, kids, y'all go over here. Daddy and I have to get some work done. But because of the things that we're doing and what my life looks like separate from the church, I'm able to be in that more emotional role, which I think is what he needs more than just somebody to do the physical work with him. Yeah, no, that's good. And something you that struck me that you just said is husbands and wives partner together. And we always think of that partnering to be primarily around things of more of like a practical nature. But really what you're describing is like an emotional partnership. You were able to stand back because you know Matt and go, he needs my help in this particular area of discouragement. And that is where I'm going to be able to come alongside him so that he can run with some of the more practical you know, steps that are important when it comes to planting. And what was your experience with that, Matt? Like knowing that Lauren was, I mean, again, she's partnering with you in all ways but when we talk about planting, it is just such an emotional roller coaster. It doesn't matter how we're wired emotionally. How was she able to come alongside you and how valuable was that for you? We wouldn't be here. I mean, let's just yeah. be honest. She, there's so many times, and she spoke so clearly of it, where she would look me in the eye and just say, remember, I'm for you. I'm asking these questions about how you're doing, not because I'm trying to say backhandedly, 
you're not okay. I'm, I'm actually for you. I want to come into your heart and see what's going on, not in as an accusatory way, but as a, I love you that much that I don't want to let you remain in discouragement. I don't want to let you remain in this season of doubt because things aren't going like we thought they were. And I wish I could say the first time she said that, I was like, okay, great. And then I received it well every time. But she would have to say it over and over, hey, I'm, I'm for you. Mm. And having that just foundation as a three, we, we have to cover that, um, as, as an Enneagram three, even with my wife, I try to perform. The mm. one person that knows me better than anyone else on this planet, that knows my sin tendencies, that knows when I'm just faking it, covering it up to perform, and I still try to do it. Yeah. And she would allow me to, and then she would go, hey, I'm for you. You don't have to be that. Mm. Where are you? Where is your heart right now? Be honest about that. And yeah, 17 years of marriage, and we're still learning that process. But I'm so thankful to have someone who cares that much and cares not about, I mean, she cares about the church. She cares about the growth. She cares about our kids. But she has said multiple times, if all of this goes away, I'm never leaving. I'm never going away. I'm here with you, no matter what God does for us, to us, sends us, wherever we end up, I'm with you. And it's just, it's a breath. It's a gift. And Matt, you said something else that really struck me, and I haven't heard, I don't know if I've heard anybody talk about this before. And this is the idea that the person you're most fearful about seeing you as somebody who is potentially going to fail or is potentially just going to be incompetent in the role that God has placed you in is actually your spouse. You know, I remember sort of coming to that realization years ago when me and Melissa were planting. And at the end of the day, it was like, I mean, yeah, I don't want that guy over there that I'm preaching to every week to think that I don't have the goods. But what I really care about more than anything is that you're not looking at me as somebody who is potentially going to fail. And I think that is so insightful because I think that adds a layer of pressure to us that we're almost too ashamed to talk about, right? No, absolutely. I remember in our assessment with Harbor, Ed, Marcel was just coming on as a potential position that he took and he was in our assessment and we were talking about this very thing and he made this statement. He said, having that kind of emotional connection, having that kind of emotional vulnerability takes a whole new meaning to what we were talking about in the garden of being naked and unashamed. Like it's physical, but it's so much more than that. And I remember from that day, I was like, man, that's, that's good. At another point in the conversation, Matt and Lauren mentioned feeling alone, abandoned, and overlooked in their journey to plant and find a network to partner with. As they walked a lonely road of disillusionment and isolation, they couldn't see God's hand. But now that they're on the other side, they not only can see God's wisdom in inviting them to wait, but they see more clearly the value of being part of Harbor Network. When we came into the network, again, we were leaving a really tough situation and we did feel abandoned. We did feel overlooked. 
But when we were brought in and started meeting people at the alignment weekends, at the the beginning stages of that, we were immediately connected with pastors in and around our area and, and really, as we've said, across the country. And it did bring back this sense of, okay, yes, we've walked through hurt, but here are these feelings again of renewal, these feelings again of like, okay, we're coming back and people are, are loving us and supporting us and, and excited about the work that we know God has called us to do. And, and as we stepped in to the network, I will say, we never once felt, okay, we walked in at this level and then we'll figure out how to work our way up. We walked into the network and were met with people with open arms. And I mean that literally, I mean, welcoming us in and saying, I want to know you guys. I want to see what God has called you to do. And that sense of renewal kind of brought us back to, okay, yeah, we did walk through some hard exit, but the Lord is ready to renew us in this season through these relationships that we're building and, and, and set us on the track. And I think the conversation that is constant in any Harbor event, talking about wholeheartedness, that helped us feel less alone. I think when you're hurting, you think that you're the only one who's experiencing whatever you're experiencing. And hearing stories of pain, hearing stories of God, you know, working on the whole person and not just on the tasks of planting helped us feel like we could be here. We belong here. We're not too hurt to be excluded from the situation. As I have reflected on Matt and Lauren's story, I keep coming back to the idea of patient endurance, that through all the pain, the loss, broken relationships, and waiting, God, in His kindness, has allowed them to persevere and keep going. And as the conversation concluded, Ronnie picked up on this theme as well and asked them what they might say to pastors and wives struggling to endure in this season of ministry. I think the thing that has helped me throughout our marriage, um, and particularly in this time, is just remembering the idea that God cares and loves me and Matt and our kids more than I can love them. So I have an idea of how I think things should go for everybody to have a wonderful life. But when those things don't happen and when things get hard, I seem to always go back to, okay, God loves them more than I can and knows better than I do. And I think remembering also that struggle is what breeds endurance. So Mm. you don't get to have endurance unless you've been through something. You know, you don't get to run the marathon unless you've been training. And so the things that are difficult and that felt difficult, you know, five or six years ago, when those pop up now, it doesn't seem quite as hard because it's like, oh, we've done this. And I know, you know, we've worked that muscle of trusting in this particular area. And I know there's always going to be new things, but just going back to the love of God and His faithfulness to us. That's really good. And I, I really appreciate that wisdom too. What would you say, Matt, talking to our pastors who are struggling with endurance, who are feeling discouraged, who are hearing your words right now, they want to latch onto them. 
they're in a place where they feel a lot of despair. They can't see the future because it looks very foggy for them. How would you encourage our brothers? You've been called by God to do this. You can't, you can try, but you can't create what he's given you yourself. It's going to fail. But what he has instilled in you, the gifts he's giving you, are for the exact context, purpose, and place that he has you. And I think when I rely more on that and just being faithful in what he has called me to do, not try to come up with something new that's outside of the band, like he has called us to be faithful to preach the gospel. He has called us to be faithful to love and care for the people that he has brought to us. Of course, we're thinking about how people are going to come and and new people coming in, but we start with being faithful to the ones he's called to us right now. And if we'll do that, he'll be faithful to grow his church and build his church. But he's called us to love and pastor And that's what we need to focus on. That's what I need to focus on is being faithful to preach the gospel, being faithful to care about the people that he has brought to us and love them for who they are and where they are. Not for some future version of where I hope sanctifying gets them, but where they are right now. They deserve my love. They deserve my care for them. They don't have to earn it just like I can't earn God's love for me. Why would I look at them as, as our congregants and say, well, if you'll get to this level, then you'll get my attention. No, I want to meet them where they are and love them and care for them exactly where they are. And if we'll do that, God's going to be faithful to bring more and more to us to do mm-hmm. and care for them in that way. Yeah, amen, brother. Well, Matt and Lauren, thanks for helping us plant our feet firmly on the ground and um, for just reminding us of God's care for us, for giving us wisdom for inspiring us with your own story because all of that helps. All of it helps to remind us that we are not the ones ultimately building our church. Jesus is, and he is stewarding us through good times, through difficult times, through times of plenty, and through lean times to build something that we get to be a part of. And hearing your story reminds us of that and it encourages us in that. So I just want to thank you both for that. Yeah, thanks Robbie. Thank you. Thanks, Matt and Lauren, for sharing your story. It's a sobering and thoughtful reminder that God often asks us to wait, but it is in the waiting that we learn to endure. It is in these moments that we learn to never infer from our trials, sufferings, and hardships that God is not our all-satisfying friend. So as we leave and seek to walk in this reality, Let us be reminded of this promise from Isaiah 46, verses 3 and 4 that says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and will save. All right. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing to our show and giving us a rating and review in iTunes. If you have feedback, please email us at podcast at harbornetwork.com. We would love to hear from you. This is Harbor Network is a production of Owens Productions. It's produced by me and Mark Owens. It's hosted by Ronnie Martin and me. It's edited and mixed by Mark Owens. 
and our music is by Mark Wallach and Aiden Blackbird. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.